Welcome to the Think and Learn Smarter experience. Here I will sit down with people from all walks of life and talk with them about experiences that have shaped them. Everyone learns from their own experiences, but the best learn from the experiences of others. Now, let's get into it. Okay, so today I'm here with Joe Flaherty, the, the local TV for myself in Longford. Uh, Joe's, Joe's had a summer career at this stage now, even working in the Longford Leader and, and being a journalist and all that kind of thing. Uh, Joe, thanks a million for agreeing to come on here. Um, you're the first you're the first Fianna Fáil or first politician to manage to get on, so thanks a million for agreeing to do it. Good, good. Well, ho- 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 hopefully that's a good omen rather than a bad omen for me, but delighted to be on. And uh, your website's a great initiative. I think it has a, a great future. It's great to see somebody, you know, identify a niche and, and really go after it. And I think it I think it has p- potential to be a great platform and a great source of uh, advice for students into the future. So well done. Thanks very for that, Joe. Appreciate it a lot. Uh, coming from yourself for like an, an entrepreneur, a businessman in Longford, it's a uh, Good to hear a bit of advice from someone who's been there and done that already. Good stuff. And how have you found like the whole uh, online platform these days where a lot of the stuff that you might have done in person is kind of all on Zoom or as you were saying earlier on Microsoft Teams? Yeah, I suppose my background is is media. I would have come through provincial newspapers. I would have worked with uh, iconic newspapers, which would be the largest uh, regional newspaper group in the country. I probably would make the point that uh, COVID really has fast-tracked the demise of the printed press by at least 10 years. You know, if I look at my kids at home now, the eldest is 12, they would never think of buying a newspaper and instinctively they gravitate towards their phone or their tablet if they want to do anything, if they want to to shop, everything is is on the phone. You know, it's... um, I can't remember when I've seen them even ask or, you know, reference a newspaper to look at it. Everything has changed and everything is on the phone and it's very much just screen time with them. And that's been Mm -hmm. a huge change. And I don't think people fully comprehend, you know, the impact that COVID has, how it has fast-tracked, you know, the, the evolution to digital in terms of particularly old people, you know, I was fascinated. I saw a picture there at the weekend of a of a man on uh, Twitter and his son put up the tweet and it showed the uh, the old man <clears throat> looking at a mark sale online and the young guy referenced how he his father could tell him stories of how he walked cattle to fairs and now he was uh, bidding for cattle online from his kitchen in, in Ballyhonas or somewhere like that. So there's been a huge step forward. You see a lot of older people now, they're looking at their uh, weekly mass online and, you know, people that we probably thought were never going to engage online suddenly because there was no alternative in COVID have met, have made a huge leap and that's why I suppose it's <clears throat> it's very important particular for entrepreneurs in the digital space that they do seize this opportunity I think there's a there's a turning point in terms of the way people engage the way they go about shopping the way they go about their day-to-day business certainly over the next uh, 12 to 18 months and it's it's critical that startups like yourself are there ready ready to rock you know are are, 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 are suitably tooled up with the funding and investors to capitalize on that because I think uh, it's it's just huge opportunities out there now Mm-hmm. And how do you feel yourself like communicating with your constituents? Because normally it would have been more face to face, I'm guessing. Whereas now, if you're going to talk to your constituents, as I was saying, it's all online. How do you find that challenge? Yeah, look, it's it's good. As I say, most people have have become accustomed to it. You know, we've uh, done uh, Facebook Live with people. We would have a big issue here in terms of a proposal for uh, the N4 upgrade, which is obviously very divisive because it's going to impact a lot of people in terms of the route that is selected <clears throat> will impact their homes, will impact their farms. And uh, we would have done that on Facebook Live. We would, you know... Uh, Sometimes it's probably hard to fully comprehend the metrics on Facebook Live, but really over the course of two and a half hours, we discussed that and a number of other issues. But, you know, over that period of time, there was over 10,000 logged on at different stages. Obviously, people coming in at at different times and that. So you had multiple logons, which you can't differentiate. But you'd be a long time looking for a a parish hall meeting to get that type of numbers, you know. And... uh, you know, politicians. <clears throat> not a lot of, not an awful lot of people show up to to listen to us. You know, so yeah, it's it's great to get that level of engagement, and I think that's very much going to be the future. Particularly if you look at the way the work life balance has changed, people have really embraced um, 
a homework and if you look at this a huge concerted effort by the government now to try and uh, encourage and promote uh, remote working hubs and all, all of that i think so much has changed and probably one of the positives from rural ireland has been the the shift towards remote working and i'll probably make the point that it's probably rural ireland that will recover quicker from COVID than actually the uh, the big cities in that you know people have seen a niche they've seen and identified a quality of life and they've said look at maybe it's it's time we did revert back go back to longford where we grew up other people are looking to trying to get houses in dublin and they just don't see the value in these expensive houses and they looked to longford westmead leitrim sligo and they see really good value and they say look at why not we we can we can work most of the multinationals are actively encouraging remote work and so it's it's it's, it's certainly a huge opportunity and much like i said the <clears throat> digital digital pioneers need to be able to capitalize on the online opportunities we as we as local authorities and as public representatives in rural ireland need to be able to grasp with both hands the huge opportunity that is going to come with this shift in work-life balance definitely yeah like as you said already the fact that older people are embracing technology because of covid that's brought it forward 10 years like it's very like some of the older people would be most the most interested in politics but some of them mightn't have gone to the town hall meeting whereas yeah. now all they do is log on from their own the comfort of their own armchair exactly exactly what you're saying about like people moving back from dublin to longford because of the prices and just even the quality of life like i myself am based in dublin now but every bit of work i've done for a pwc and even for this business is all online i could, I could have done it at home in lanesborough yeah. i just kind of got unlucky with the when i signed the, the lease so i could definitely see a lot of people my age and i never even having to move out of longford based on that kind of thing yeah. and it is a bit of a change and that like the majority of work is going to be online or virtual or could be online and virtual and there isn't really that face-to-face -face interaction it's a bit different than back in the day when you're growing up in this like the 60s 70s and 80s when all you're doing like the only way you'd be talking to anyone would be going down to the green or going down to something like that yeah look i suppose there has been a huge you know there's downsides to it as well and if you look at it i suppose um <clears throat> you mentioned the green and i suppose when your dad and i was were growing up the green was the epicenter of life in lens with the green I suppose it uh, was a Bordnamona housing estate. Bordnamona evolved in the 1960s where the government of the day uh, identified a need and decided that we would uh, look to, to the peat bogs for, for energy and um, set up a number of enterprises across the country. And a, a spin-off from that was, you know, the development of uh, a large number of housing estates that were uh, primarily for workers that were coming from all across Ireland to work in these peat facilities. And we were very lucky in Lanesburg that we had uh, three of those housing estates with Green and Lanesburg with Derahan. And we had the Abbey in Clontuskert, and uh, I suppose what, what it did is it, it, it suddenly Lanesford became like a, a, a mini New York, or it was the melting pot of Ireland. Uh, remember when I was growing up, we had a parade one time in town, and with somebody from from the thirty two counties in, in in the parade. So for a small town like Lanesford, that was a huge thing to have so many different people, and whilst we're not quite as multicultural as we are and now in longford at that time that was a, a huge huge catalyst for change you know it brought people in with new ideas uh, we got an athletics club from it that maybe we may not have got except people come in to work with Bournemouth and esb it energized the ga club it really <coughs> energized the uh, the local national schools and even i know we, we have an issue with the national schools there in lens but the moment where they're looking for desh status and it's ironic that both the principal in clontuskert national school and also in lensburg national school both their parents fathers would have come to lensburg to work in in board namona so it it shows i suppose how these defining moments in a in, in a town and in a community's history can shape shape the future and uh, it's those moments in time that really are the catalyst for change and i suppose to come back to your point when i I was growing up the green was the epicenter and yet you know i was canvassing there probably early last year for the general election and we didn't meet one child on on the green whereas when i was growing up you know it was probably 40 50 kids there every every saturday morning and you spent the day there till till dark fell and so much of that has changed and even the estate i would live in in longford town you know from time to time you will hear kids outside but by, by by and large you won't because they've changed i suppose you know families are probably notwithstanding COVID, are still a little probably time poor and children probably don't get out as much and that is uh, one, one of the downsides in that we have to look at you know 
the physical and, and mental well-being of, of children as well. And it's, imp it's important that we don't lose children beh behind the screen. So there has, there has to be a concerted balance within education to ensure that, you know, whilst we fully embrace and we go the, the digital route, that it, it's not at the expense of other, you know, uh, so socio-development issues for our young people. Absolutely, yeah. Now, it's funny, as you mentioned, that Lanesburg would be in a melting pot or what, similar to a melting pot like New York. It's kind of hard to imagine that now, but I remember my, my granny is from Kerry and my granddad's from Clare. So I know my granny's put out the flags in Kerry were playing and like the rest of the people would be from all over the place. So there could be some from Cork or some from Dublin there as well. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'd, be, I'd be curious to know what you think, though. So like the way that the education system, like even myself, my own company is based all online. So it's kind of focusing on that like sphere in terms of education. What sort of things did you think would be good because yourself like that kind of generation had the childhood where you'd be kind of the, the friends you had were the ones that lived in your street maybe or maybe just in your town whereas now there's a lot of people whose friends might just might even they might talk to their friends more they're online than they'd see on their street or in their own town yeah well look i suppose i i, I um you don't like to use your own children as guinea pigs but my, my, my i'd have kids from seven up to 12 three girls uh uh, they obsess about roadblocks. Everything seems to be done through roadblocks at the at the moment. They talk to their friends through roadblocks when they're playing. You know, they do their trades and whatever ever on roadblocks. Like, um, I'd get it very hard to try and explain to my late mother that that's how my my young kids are interacting now. That they're interacting through a through a computer game. And obviously, um, my wife is probably somewhat of a technophobe. She obsesses and wonders if it's a, a secure space for the kids to be in. And they give her a crash course and showing that the safeguards that are in place and, and therefore but it, it is a huge change and in some respects it's probably very hard for for parents to, to, to comprehend and i suppose the fear is that children create a fake world a, a, a world that you know and in reality if you're playing computer games it's, it, it, it's not not reality and that is is the concern and it probably is the concern and why it was so important that we did get children back to school that we did get uh, children back engaging with friends and back back in a social setting again because it's critically important because not every child develops and evolves at the, at the same same space and i suppose one of the great things of irish education probably over the last 20 years in particular is we have identified that there are deficits in education that and in particular just deficits in uh, special needs education and you know, if if you were to say who really suffered over the past year, it was those children in special needs education who really missed out on that social in engagement, that you know, um, on hands interaction from SNA and from teachers, and they, they they've paid a very heavy price, and uh, that's why I think it's very important that there's a clear concerted effort made to support those children as well as 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 well as all, all other children in in education uh because you know we can't think that uh COVID's going to be over and we're suddenly going to go back uh, to normal because we are going to have scars there's going to be scars on a lot of people's backs after COVID, there's going to be a lot of businesses that are going to struggle to recover there's a lot of other businesses that have seen opportunities but if you were to look at the, <clears throat> the two sectors that probably are worst affected it's probably our oldest and probably our youngest people who have been worst affected um i'm always struck when i'm out canvassing you know when you go to a house where there's an elderly person and they're actually really excited and engaged to talk to you and I, I, you know i remember when i started out in policies i couldn't understand why they were so engaged and ready. I thought maybe it was because I was a, a very good politician, but it dawned on me after a few of these calls that these people, nobody called to see them. Nobody was calling to see these people. And, uh, you know, they were ready to to just talk to a politician because there was uh, nobody else coming to the door, maybe to be lucky if they got meals on wheels one day a week. And apart from that, that was the only social engagement that they were getting. <clears throat> and, you know, we were struck then by the, the story of, of the man, I think it was down in uh, Wicklow, during COVID, who uh, started sending a letter to himself because it, it meant that the postman had to come up to Boreen and hand him the letter. And in fairness to the postman, he realized that after a while it, that it was a ruse and the man was just wanted this and the postman started to call in and a, and a great friendship uh, evolved from it. And, uh, you know, one of the great things probably that we have seen and the flip side of it, you know, in, in terms of schools where they engaged and the buddied up with local um 
nursing homes and they started to write letters to nursing homes. And I thought that was, that, that, that was a great initiative as well, because in, in some respect between texting and WhatsApp and, and, and this whole engagement through computer games is that maybe the actual art of, uh, of handwriting as well is being lost in that uh, art of sending a letter. And um, I know certainly I've often tried to explain to my kids when I was growing up, you had to send a letter and it could actually take three to four days before the letter got there. And trying to explain that to a digital era child is, is, is quite difficult, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. I'd say so for sure. And I've always been kind of curious what it's like to actually be on the other side of the door, as in like being the politician going around knocking on doors, like, when you started doing it, did you have any preconceptions of what it'd be like? Did you think you'd be turned away all the time? Like, what was your kind of initial thoughts? Doing it? You, know, you always get an occasional bad experience, but by and large, most people are very, very decent. They may not like your views. They may, they may find some of your views abhorrent. In particular, may find your party and what it stands for or what they perceive it represents. They may find that how abhorrent. But by by and large, mo mo most people are courteous when when they're on the door. You will meet some people then with uh, gen genuine issues, and it's uh, it's very humbling when those people engage with you and they tell you what th those th those issues are. And uh, I suppose sometimes people get hung up on the uh, on, on politics in terms of the big thing and there's always big things in politics you know I suppose you're looking at the, the reunification of Ireland and the house, housing crisis and the health crisis and COVID and all of the, these things but I suppose the real bread and butter of politics is 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 the small things you know it's it's so, somebody with that special needs child struggling to get additional help struggling to get additional support somebody struggling to get their cataracts done somebody struggling to get you know access to social housing supports any of these things these are the small bread and butter things and uh, you know whilst they don't you know dominate the, the news agenda in terms of johnny down the road that is the single biggest issue in his mind and in his world on on this monday morning when he contacted joe flaherty and that's why as far as i as his public representative are, are concerned i have to to the best of my my ability endeavor to resolve that problem for him and uh, that's all ult ultimately what what he remembers and uh, i suppose i could probably count into two hands the number of of bad experiences that i've had on on doorsteps and as i said most people are in incredibly uh, courteous and it's it's a hugely humbling position to be in to be able to go and to knock on a person's door and i think it's a it's it, it, it's an outstanding endorsement of the country that we have you know people probably forget just that we're still a relatively young nation we're just over a hundred years old and we've uh, we've evolved remarkably over that period of time like we are warts and all and we have some faults and uh, and some issues and let's not run away from those we are still one of the most progressive and one of, one of the most advanced uh, nations in the in, in the world and that's uh, an outstanding testimony to the to people that came before us much like your grandparents who came from uh, Clare and Kerry to to Lanesborough and helped build the community there and uh, they, they've left an outstanding legacy and they've left a huge onus on responsibility on the likes of uh, you and I and future generations to ensure that we, we hold dear what we have and we also try to improve on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to touch on one thing you mentioned there where essentially like the politics, you can get lost in the bigger picture, but it's the smaller one. Like, I don't know, as I said, the person who needs to get their cataracts gone and that. Like I remember reading, I think I was listening to a, um, a podcast by someone who's been the FBI. And at the start, they're told in the FBI that this is the job that if you want public acclaim and reward and fame and even like a t um, gratification, you're not going to get it here. Like the, the most important work that you do is behind the scenes and most people won't even know. And yeah. from now from my limited knowledge of politics, it seems like those like small day-to-day -day kind of solving the problem of the local person. Like that's that's not the stuff that the Irish Times or even maybe even the Longford Leader will pick up on. Uh, but it's actually the most important bit. It is, I suppose. And I often reflect on my late boss, uh, uh, now sadly passed away, Eugene McGee. I remember once when uh, well, when I went for my interview with the Longford Leader, you know, you went in and you had big ideas of what, what was news and what was going to sell newspapers. And uh, he turned to me and he says, you know what news is? And, and I says, well, look, it's blah, 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 blah. And he says, no, it's not. He says, news is, is anything that two people talk about. He says, if Johnny Murphy out in on the cliff is t t talking to w w Willie Clancy, whatever is the biggest thing on their agenda that day, that is news. And uh, he says, they don't care about uh, a murder down in Cork. They don't care about 
a car crash or whatever it is anywhere else all they want to know about is what's happening at the end of their road now it's probably you know online has changed a lot of that but it's, it's in news ultimately it is 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 the small issues what are perceived to be the small issues nationally but what locally are, are huge issues and what really drives people is enthusiasm their fears and and their concerns and uh, everything is local is another cliche in, in the media and it, that's very much the case in, in in politics and very much the case retail everything at the moment everything is local yep and as you said at the start like the majority of people are kind of moving online even the older ones like there can nearly be a, not exactly a gap in the market, but perhaps like the smaller newspapers could kind of not acknowledge it, but kind of pivot towards that where they can actually tailor the information they're given to, we'll say maybe someone in Ockle Cliff will get something different than someone in Ballymahan, for example. You could get like very specific with it if they had the chance. Yeah, but, I think um, there was a project in Mexico once there a number of years ago where one of the papers there and, uh, you know, where uh, there was really a suppose when papers started to move to digital first and uh, what they did is they put all their news on up, up up online and what whatever was proven most popular then that, that that dictated what went into print i haven't followed up on it since to see how it went but you know they were really flipping it on its head and uh, putting you know the, the what was popular online then was really driving what was in the the print product and that's that's indicative of the change that has taken place you know and uh, if most news people know it before a, a printed paper comes out now because it has to be broken online the challenge, I suppose, for newspapers is Facebook and Google because of their dominance of online advertising, and particularly since the advent of, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, programmatic advertising has come, that's really, really changed and it made it very difficult, <clears throat> particularly for small publishers, to get into that space. I think you're probably looking at Google and Facebook combined, probably controlling eighty percent of the online advertising market. So that is a very difficult, and it's a, probably a, a worrying space as well for small publishers and. I know we have a future the media commission uh, looking at this at the minute but that is a big challenge for us and i know you know the public at large are always skeptical of what they perceive to be mainstream media but it is very important that we retain a strong independent uh, 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 media and that's why you know maybe as people gravitate towards uh, online as well that hopefully new new media platforms can, can emerge but ultimately the key challenge there is going to be how you're going to fund these because if you're looking at a 20 percent pool of the overall advertising budget it's going to be very hard to get into that space absolutely yeah and it's clear to see that you know quite a lot about the media considering you were you you know you became a journalist and worked as you said in the Longford leader already and in iconic news i'd be kind of curious to know though before like joe flaherty became the td and the journalist and all that when he's 16 17 years old maybe even 18 doing the leaving search what was kind of going through your mind at that stage like did you have did you always want to be a journalist or was there anything else in mind or any yeah look, like a lot of journalists i wanted to be a writer first and then you find out <laughs> inadequate writer and you just say well look the only thing i'm probably ever fit to be then is is, is a journalist you know but um look at i was uh, a very insecure 16 to 18 year old probably 16 to mid 20s i was extremely insecure i struggled with my weight i had a lot of uh, weight issues uh, uh i still have some some weight issues but i had i had a lot of weight issues um I probably tried to be the the funny lad in class to mask it, but you know, <clears throat> inside I was hurting a lot. You know, I probably tried to brush off the the criticism and the and the, the micro level bullying by 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 being the joker. But it it, it was very hard, and you know, it was it was a very difficult time. And um, I know I really struggled uh, sitting my leave insert. Um, I, I found the leave insert extremely tra traumatic probably because I did, I knew myself I hadn't put the effort in that I needed to put in. And uh, I certainly felt a sense that I was letting my family down, but I was also letting letting myself down. So it was very much a, an unfulfilled period in, 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 in my life. And, uh, you know, I see the issues that I had then and I wasn't dealing with the social media or the pressures that's there at, at the minute. And, uh, you know, even though people say we're largely disengaged from young people because we're like a bald 50 year olds we can't know what young people are going through but you know behind every 50 year old politician 
there was a young person that did grow up and albeit the issues were slightly different we did we did countenance or, or encounter some of those issues at, at at some level and we do have so, some degree of empathy with what is happening to young, young, young people so i suppose after the leaving certain i would have gone to to london at that time you couldn't automatically get a grant to study journalism in the uk and obviously i didn't get enough points to go to rat mines which was the college for journalism at the time so i worked on the buildings in the in london for a year and then i got into the london college of printing in in elephant and castle and i, I suppose over a number of years then i i did find my find my niche but i suppose i was uh fortunate at the time when i went to london that uh you know we were in the throes of a, an economic uh, crisis in ireland at the time and i suppose there was a network of uh, people from lanesburg there in london working on the buildings who who looked out for each other i remember there was even a, a fledgling lanesburg newton cashel association formed in 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 north london on on one occasion and it was that network i suppose much like the irish expat community whenever they go abroad how, how they tend to to look after each other and uh, I suppose I, I I found that very good. I found it very supportive, and uh, to some degree, I found I found my wings probably over the, over those few years. But um, I think ultimately, you know, anybody I suppose if you go through a struggle like that when you're in your early teens, it it does define you, and there is always that inadequacy. There is always that element of of self doubt, and I think there's no amount of self analyzing or or, or you know. Um, it can never get past that and it's always there and it will always niggle with you and you have to try and deal with it and you know you can use every type of tool in the book and look in the mirror in the morning and tell yourself that you're amazing and you're fantastic and all of these things but it's always you know an incredible degree of self-doubt and i think sometimes probably the best way to deal with something like that is is admit that you you do have that self-doubt that you do have have flaws and that uh, you can't ultimately achieve everything on your own that you have to reach out to other people and you have to look for help and you have to have to look for support and i suppose you find that a lot in politics when people come in and sometimes in absolute despair maybe they're allowed their you know their rent account with the local authority to go into arrears and they really feel they're at the end of the line and you can talk to them for a few minutes and you can reassure them and suddenly you can see a sense of of crisis lift lift away from them and that, that's why it's 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 good to talk and i suppose if we come back with what we're saying earlier this whole thing of youngsters on digital it's 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 very good and it's it's great that they're able to engage like that but somehow we're going to have to find a means within that for all the key stakeholders and indeed people like yourself which are with which are your, your, your own site that we have to be able to reach out to these people on these platforms and say look are you okay is everything all right there has to be for want of another word there has to be a, a panic button opportunity for people to press and say listen i'm not good and I, I i'm not okay definitely yeah there's a few things we want to touch on there as you said like i think you hit the nail in the spot there where you're saying like the kind of People might perceive that the 50-year-old man who's sitting there uh, listening to them doesn't can't really have empathized with them. But while the, the problems themselves might be different, it's the emotions are still the same, like the feeling of insecurity or or doubt or self-worry and all that kind of thing. But uh, one thing I want to mention is that like the level of willpower that you can that you've shown, because I remember my, my father would be saying that he'd be seeing you going for a run into Roscommon and back pretty much every evening, uh, working yeah. away with that. Like it's as you said, you didn't like wallow in self-pity. You, de you definitely made something of yourself now and you're clearly trying to help back. Yeah, well, look at, I suppose, <clears throat> you know, uh, you probably at that stage you go through, do you go through science? So you get this self-doubt when you're in your early teens and obviously you start experimenting with with, with alcohol. Uh, I would have found alcohol a very good crutch. You know, um, you were happiest when you were having a few drinks and because I was big, I was able to consume large amounts of alcohol and I suppose I enjoyed the notoriety of people says, God, that man can drink an awful lot. And But again, that, was, that, that became crutch number two for me. You know what I mean? So I... I I probably, you know, particularly as I got into my early twenties, then I really wallowed in in, in in drink and did a large amount of uh, binge drinking. I was probably fortunate in that probably the you know the, the, the drug culture really hadn't taken off at that stage, so my my dependency was very much a, a alcohol, and uh, that obviously didn't help the the, the weight issue. Uh, maybe if I just stayed on neat vodka, it mightn't have been as bad. But that, and I suppose. 
I was probably overcompensating then in food, particularly in junk food, and I had a had a had a very bad diet, and all all of these things were crutches. And I suppose I would I would I would have hit a wall. I think when I was about 24, 25, and I just took took stock of myself after after one particularly uh, difficult weekend, and I said, you know, something something has to change. And uh, I suppose it was then that I, I I discovered running, and I would have went out one morning, and I probably was able to run about ten or twenty feet, and then I'd walk. But I decided it was a circle round where I lived, about three miles. So I says, I'm going to start, and I says, by the end of the month, I'm going to be able to run the three miles. So every day I'd walk a bit, run a bit, and ultimately every day. I did the, the three miles and thankfully by the end of the month I was able to to, to run the, the three miles and then I suppose you, 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 you swap one demon for the other and then I became absolutely obsessed with uh, losing weight I put on the, the plastic bag and as much clothes as you could put on over that to try and and, uh, and lose weight and in, sometimes I suppose when you're modifying your your lifestyle and the way you, you, you operate in life you probably exchange one demon for another so I become very obsessive about about my weight and um you know that j- j- just a- a- a exchange one demon for another but i suppose i'm in a happy place now where i accept that i'm a, I'm a larger than life uh, personality I-, I enjoy my food i enjoy my occasional drink but i, ha- I have to accept that you know i need to do it in-, in in more moderation probably in even more moderation than i'm doing at at, at the moment and um you know if if i look at you know as i say uh the biggest challenge that i had was was alcohol but you know f- for example if i was that's a 16 17 year old now look at the amount of 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 issues that i would have to to comprehend you know i, I can go down to lamford town and i can get you name any drug i want to get i can i can get it you know what i mean i can this 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 just so so many things in your face as a, as a young person this this so, so many means of escape being thrust upon you and uh, all of these so, so, seem so easy and so readily available and uh, that's just an, an enormous challenge and an enormous worry for young people at the moment Mm-hmm. It's, it's brilliant that you're willing to talk about it because as they're saying some people might like 16 7 year olds again as we said already mightn't think that 50 year olds can associate themselves but clearly you had the same sort of like we'll say options like you know i mean your sense of escapism like maybe for yourself it might have been alcohol and now it might be something different but mm-hmm. the same neural pathway is still there and it's brilliant to see that like a lot of people who will say obsessive habits they can they're able to like they find it hard to have moderation but they can also challenge that to like a different sort of uh, sphere like say for example yourself like you managed to challenge that in towards journalism with the long for leader and now mm-hmm. even represented the long for people so while it can't while it's not good to have an obsessive personality it can also be used in a positive manner as well yeah i suppose look you need to be able to moderate and you have to know it's 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 all it's always there do you know what i mean you it, it, it is always there and it's, it's a case of knowing that it's there and it's a case of, of of accepting that it's there and i think it's part of the irish psyche as well you know i think uh you know we're a, a gregarious people we want we want to be loved you know the, uh, irish people the world over just we have an innate sense that everybody loves us and we want to be loved and uh, 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 everybody wants to be loved and uh, i suppose uh, if, if you're anyway an obsessive personality and you have issues like that, you think, Jesus, that's a, a crazy career move to go into politics because uh, you know your your future is decided in an election, and uh, there's no no bigger gamble in the popularity stakes than than going into a, a, an election. But I suppose as as you go through life and you weigh up your options, and I suppose people say to me, why did you go into politics? And you know, when when I had my children I suppose my whole outlook on life changed and uh, I think a defining moment for me I suppose was probably I think our eldest child was about six and I remember she was coming down the town in Longford and she was absolutely fascinated about the Christmas lights in Longford town and it reminded me that I had the same fascination one of the first times I had seen them with, with my father and then about two years after that, she started talking to me about it, empty shops and uh, why is that shop closed? And you can tell a seven-year-old, well, Mr. Murphy will be back. He's away, away on holidays after a while. But then, she, you know, when she says three months later, you know, Mr. Murphy isn't back. You, talk, you told me that before. And then you say, you know, this there's this something here there's a challenge there's an issue here that you know i want my children to have this, that same sense of security that same sense of opportunity notwithstanding the challenges that will come with it for them growing up in a community and uh, i was probably in a position 
that I had a profile and I, I you know I felt that it could affect some change and that's ultimately how, why I went into politics I even though as, as I will freely admit it's a very precarious uh, vocation or or, 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 or or career and you know invariably in four years time or perhaps even sooner if they, if 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 it's so decided to be a general election and then the people thankfully in a democracy get to decide who who, who represents them and uh, you know, for, for somebody has an obsessive personality and uh, struggles with a lot of, lot of demons, it's probably something that you shouldn't think an awful lot about, but it, it is there. But ultimately, I think as a, as a politician, you have to focus in the here, you have to focus in the now, you have to focus on the people that contacted you today, day, yesterday, last week, and you have to focus on the issues and concerns and worries that they have. And to the best of your absolute ability, you have to try and remedy those. Yeah. And it kind of comes back to the message you said already that like the important thing to the regular person is just the literal everyday occurrence. So for that one person who owned that shop or maybe the landlord who had that property, that's mm -hmm. the biggest problem in their lives. Like they're not worried about, as you said, uh, like the murder in Cork or something like, and if you focus in the smaller areas, that's clearly mm -hmm. going to build up. But one thing I always kind of wondered about pol like politicians, especially like in the doll, like, cause you hear in America, cause the, the American politics is the one that you hear the most coverage about. And you hear like the, the separation between the Democrats and Republicans and that would say a Republican shouldn't be seen talking to a Democrat and that like have you found people that maybe you had like a perception of before you met them in person and perhaps you're talking to them in the corridors or in, in like a coffee or whatever yeah look at the end of the day uh, you know if you take away the political mask every, every, everybody's a father everybody has a brother lover partner you know ultimately we're all, all the same but I think within every politician there's, there's a deep ingrained belief that you don't trust another politician do you know what I mean so while you know I'd have a mutual respect for most politicians you know I think hand on heart I'd have to say I probably wouldn't trust any other politician and particularly if they're from a different political party or a different politi political group and, and that's unfortunately part of the makeup of, of Irish politics because you know it, the election cycle comes and you have to you have to go and compete on a doorstep with some of these people that you might have a, a reasonably decent relationship with otherwise and it's one of the the, the, the hardest parts of politics mm -hmm. and does that is so it's essentially just like a business relationship that you try and keep with especially with the people who aren't in the same part as yourself that's kind of an interesting one to do because as i said like if you want to get something through the dollar or whatnot you kind of need support from everyone so it's an interesting dynamic in that most like business environments will say if there's something that if it's a project that someone's trying to get through in a business it's the whole team working together whereas it must yeah. be kind of tricky to deal with we'll say there could be four or five different opinions and they all have their own viewpoints and like they all want different outcomes from the same bill perhaps How, yeah, like, I, what, what do you find like i know Brad, like what would the leadership kind of try and do to say uh bring a bit of collaboration from the other parties or what like is the usual approaches that you could do yeah i suppose there's a lot of different you know uh, uh, leadership styles i suppose if you look at uh michael martin's uh, leadership style and in fairness he, he has come in from you know, in inordinate criticism since he has become Taoiseach, but um, he very much has a laissez-faire style of leadership. You know, it, it's a very open party. You know, um, uh, we would have a parliamentary meeting every Wednesday evening. Uh, it's unique in that it's t totally leaked. Uh, Daniel McConnell from the Examiner and a few other reporters are able to tweet live uh, as the parliamentary party is happening. It, there's few other political parties I think probably in 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 Europe, uh, you know, where the lead, where, where where you know the ability to express an opinion is so open as as within Fianna Fáil at the minute. And I think you know, it, it, you know, you can talk, and I've spoken about my insecurities. But you look at somebody like Michal Martin, who has you know attained the pinnacle of of Irish politics, and yet he's so secure in himself and his own belief that he's he, what he is doing is correct that he, he you know he he's not phased by that type of comment or you know that type of criticism that comes from even within his own party of his leadership at the minute and i think that's testimony to the man and one of the key attributes that i admire from him you know you can you see other Part, party leaders then home and abroad and they're absolutely obsessive in the current and in the past historically about their position and perceived criticism of themselves and particularly from within their own party and you know will stamp it out at, at the first and earliest opportunity so i think uh, as you go through politics you have to learn that there will be people that won't like you 
there'll be people that uh, will challenge what you do but ultimately you have to decide what is best for my community what what are the goals that i want to you know attain for my community how can i best go about those and along that route as you go to try and progress those you're going to have to make sacrifices you're going to have to make personal sacrifices and you're going to have to make political sacrifices and all the time you'll probably judge them by the end goal which is this making my community my constituency a better place in which to live yeah and is there any like small little task or goal percept like in the national perspective a small task or goal that you've like managed to do in the last year or so that like you like have a lot of pride in will say anything like small that the majority of people wouldn't have heard of or anything particular look i suppose particularly in in longford town even though i'm from lansborough longford town is my adopted home uh we have a huge challenge in in, in longford town and that we're probably one of the most marginalized towns in the country we have the highest percentage per capita head of new irish we also have the highest per per capita, per capita head of uh, the traver community we have the fastest growing traver population uh on under 17 in the country we have huge uh socio-economic challenges in in, in longford town and i suppose as i went into politics as i had come i suppose i grew up in a small business i came from the view that we really had to to re-energize and really recharge longford and we had to make this a destination where people wanted to come to wanted to live and they wanted to do business so we really set about particularly from as soon as they had gone into uh, local politics in the county council in Longford you know the, the whole regeneration and the rebirth of Longford and uh, that has been evolving now over the past four years it's uh, culminated in the URDF uh, funding announcement of 10 million for, for, for Longford in recent weeks and incidentally 6 million then today for, for, for Ballymahan for a regeneration project there again and I think regeneration really is what it says on the tin it's going to be the turning point from Longford it's about uh, you know looking at the way we do things how we're going to change them and how we're going to move on and I as as we looked on this and reflected how we were going to move Longford forward we would have looked at what they did in Limerick uh, and that really was a city that turned itself around and uh, they had a very famous uh, Limerick city architect who sadly had passed away and uh, he, one day he was very animated at a council meeting and he turned and he says listen the problem we're doing here wrong in Limerick is we've turned our back on the river and uh, suddenly everything in, in, in planning in Limerick started to face out at the river and you'll see it uh, similarly in 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 Lanesborough where you grew up but more so in Longford Town where the Camden flows through it but it's not even an amenity in Longford Town and that's all our regeneration at the minute is uh, focusing and turning Longford Town back onto the River Camden opening up walkways opening up pathways all of those alongside the mall but crucially ultimately creating a living space in which we can attract people to come set up employment uh, set up new retail opportunities and it's a it's a piece of work that has started i was delighted last week when longford county council invited tenders for the development of a new civic uh, headquarters within the camion quarter and that's going to be a key catalyst for change because the expectation is not only will developers come outline plans for such a development but will also outline their plans for a much wider and a more holistic development of that camion water space so in terms of you know some of the things that i've attained so far that's something i'm particularly proud of at the moment definitely yeah and uh, you touched on the fact that you came from like your parents would have owned the local shop in lanesboro and now mm -hmm. you're trying to bring business into longford town itself uh like the the local kind of smaller shops will say are still going to be around but as you said yourself with covid there's an opportunity to encourage like online working would you have any ideas or any plans like we'll say for the next 10 20 years what kind of jobs you'd like to bring to, to Longford? Would it be, as I said, would it be kind of the classic brick and mortar ones or would you imagine that you'd be able to have like, uh, there's talk of like, we'll say satellite towns only except for the, except that instead of people like commuting into Dublin, it's just they stay in the same place and work there. Yeah, it's, you know, immediately when people think of bringing jobs, you always want to bring the high end, you know, computer technology jobs. They're the ones, but realistically, you have to look at what's the skills skill set and the skills pool that you have locally. I think at the time of the crash, uh, there was more people involved in construction. 
and construction related businesses in Longford and, and, and any other profession. One in five people in 2008 at the time of the crash were involved in, in construction in one way or the other, you know. So we, we've evolved as, as a nation of or a county of builders. And uh, that's one of the things I've, I've asked for the ETB, the Education Training Board here in Longford to develop a, an, an apprentice campus here in Longford Town, specializing in, in uh, the construction trade. But obviously also looking at the whole area of robotics, the whole way that, you know, uh, businesses, particularly multinationals are operating in Ireland is going, going to change. And uh, robotics is very much the, the space that these businesses want to be in. I think it's a whole a whole new era. I think it's it's a space we can get into. If you look at somebody like uh, Abbott uh, here in Longford Town, there's a huge journey for Abbott to go in terms of embracing uh, robotics. I think there's an opportunity for us to develop a training campus for robotics here in, in Longford. And given that we have plenty of uh, uh, buildings that can be used and utilized to help uh, train people, I think there's an opportunity for us very much to get into the robotics space as well, because uh, in terms of uh, job creation over the next 20 to 30 years, I think it's the space to be in. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And uh, would you like, if you had to think back at like what you imagined uh, your childhood being like the seventies and eighties and stuff, is there any parts that you'd like to kind of bring back to the, to the, um, to the regular folk these days? Like, is there maybe one or two attributes that not because they have been forgotten, but mightn't get as, no, as much emphasis or what be your thoughts on that kind of thing? Yeah, look, uh, uh, nostalgia is always great. And I suppose we, we, we can get hung up on, on, on nostalgia as well, but you know, ultimately people, people have changed an awful lot and, and nostalgia is great and you can look back and you say god they were they were a halcyon times they were really great times but i still think the people that are saying they were great times if you ask them to go back and live in those times again they do it fleetingly for a few moments but you know i still don't think most people would trade the progress and the opportunities that we have now you know for those rose tinted and nostalgic days as good as they were we may have okay maybe we've lost some of our sense of community maybe we've lost some some of that stronger family embodiment and that you know sense of togetherness and that's really a challenge for us as 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 communities um certainly i'd like to, like to see us uh, more, 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 more collegial and uh, a, a greater sense of coming together. And I think that's one of the things that COVID has done in that it has really driven a divide through communities. And I think that was probably one of the really good initiatives by Longford County Council over the past month where they got so many local groups and communities out picking litter within their five kilometre area. And I think that's one of the things that probably people have missed the most is that opportunity to come together as a community and to do things. And uh, it can happen on a very micro level in, in, in rural Ireland. It can, be the, it can be the station, it can be the family christening and some of those things. And I think that's the one thing that people have missed most in, in, in COVID was that you know natural coming together and i don't think we have to go too far back into the past to look at that you know if we were to say look at in six months time that's what people want you know to realize that okay i can ring up johnny and i can ring up billy and mary and bridie and all of those people and invite them to the house and i can know that they can come ensuring certain knowledge that there's no restrictions that there's no risk of them uh, contracting a, a, a you know a, a, a virus that we didn't know about two years earlier and ultimately that's a space we all want to get to know at this stage yeah definitely and uh, one last thing i was kind of curious about because the fact that you're a td you're kind of pulled in all directions including myself giving you a call at 7 p.m in the evening when you're probably going to go to the kids but like how do you manage like time management that's kind of a one thing i've always wondered because you have like the local questions that you might have like in the local longford town and all that kind of thing but then you've also got to worry about the more national um issues how would you like to allocate your time or what do you do in that regard Look, what you ha you have to make yourself available, and I suppose the the, the mobile phone really has has ha has transformed all, all of that. You're just to you're totally accessible, and particularly through social media. There's so many messaging platforms now that people are are, are messaging and. Uh, the problem with a lot of messaging platforms is once they send a message, they do expect an immediate response. And uh, uh, so, so some of the worst platforms, then you can't open the message, but you have to you have you have to reply to it then. And there's always the risk, particularly at at weekends, if a number's ringing, you don't recognise the number, because I suppose 
you, 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 if you're committed, you you really have to answer that call, you know, because uh, you don't know it could be somebody in, in 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 crisis. Say, for example, I would have taken a call on on Saturday morning from a from a family and a relative would have died overseas, and they needed to try and make arrangements to travel, and they had to confirm whether they were going to need to an antigen or what type of test they were going to need to get into that country, and and you ha had to be there, you know. So, say for example, if I had decided I'm not going to take that call. And then I met those people two weeks later and they said, you know, they had trouble getting out of the country. That would make, make me not only as a public representative, but a, a, as a human being and somebody that knew these people, I'd feel particularly bad about myself. So whilst, you know, there's always politicians claim that they make this de de delineation between their, their working life and their ho home balance, it always creeps into it. And, you know, I'd even see it in my oldest child, even though, you know, I would tell her never get involved in politics. She's acutely aware of politics because children in particular pick up on it. And particularly, you know, you might be, if you're having a bad time in, in politics and you're probably getting a paste in, in the press and in particular you're getting a paste in social media it's very hard to keep that out of a family home and it does it does seep in and it's probably the the biggest downside of of modern politics and when you go into politics you have to accept it and you, you take it worse and all but the you know they uh they the criticism that comes in social media and in many cases the un unwarranted and then some sometimes uh heinous criticism that comes and i think a very good example was uh the former td boxer Morn, who spoke out about it in, in in the last few weeks as well you know that this this there should be a sense of responsibility that comes with uh, engaging on social media but some people when they do get a screen or they get a phone and they start tapping away at it then they think that the immunity comes with that and that's that's there's a recklessness there and i think there's a, a vitriol and this you know there's there's a bitterness and a hatred in a lot of the dialogue on social media that i do i do find abhorrent and uh you know if 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 you were to turn off you know one thing or you were to turn down the decibels on something you would you would try to do that because um you know i as a politician accept it and take it for par for the course but at the end of the day you know i have a i have a mother i have brothers and i have uh, a children and uh, you know you can sling a spear and you can fire an arrow uh, with the stated intention of, of hitting me but there's always going to be collateral damage and there's always those people and you never see their, their faces or those names on the ballot paper but instinctively they're there with me that's uh but every time you, you you target a politician or you want to criticize a politician in, in in the wrong you're you're criticizing not only him but his 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 most immediate and his wider family mm -hmm. no it's definitely a problem for sure and it's it doesn't really seem like one that has an easy solution but it's clear that like the people at home and that hear it around that someone like yourself joe like puts in a ridiculous shift behind the scenes and like as you mentioned a few times in this podcast already it's like the day-to-day -day problems that people have that you're trying to focus on and it is definitely making a difference and i just want to say thanks a million again for this i know we talked about how you literally just said that um the politics life you always answer the phone call and similar to yourself like it's in the evening time right try not to go back to the family and enjoy the evening and i just want to say thanks a million again for doing this appreciate it a lot and i definitely learned a good bit from this that's for sure no no but look I, I learned plenty for it as well it was the thing was bob hoskins said it's good to talk yeah <laughs> that's for sure definitely um yeah take care That's the end of another episode. I hope you've taken something away from this and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, good luck.